Well, it's uh, good to be with you again this morning as we continue our study in the book of Mark. And so far in Mark's gospel, we see a text that is fast-paced, scarce of a lot of detail, and describes Jesus as he brings God's kingdom to earth. The lame walk, the sick are healed, the blind see, tax collectors and sinners are declared righteous as Jesus is making all things new. It's a surprising ministry, actually, because the people that we expect to respond to Christ don't seem to want to know him, and the people that have every reason to not believe in Jesus are flocking to his ministry. The Pharisees, the religious elites, the ones really serious about following the law of Moses were horribly offended at Jesus for what they considered to be his rejection of the Sabbath day. The scribes, the theologians, and the so-called experts of the law concluded that he was demon-possessed, and even his own family, his mother and his brothers, the ones closest to him on earth, they decide that he was insane. So it's an interesting picture that Mark has been painting, isn't it? You've got the weird and the wicked who can't get enough of Christ. They understand the message, they flock to him, their lives are changed, and their hearts are becoming new. And then you've got the great and the good, and they want nothing to do with Jesus. So how do we account for this? How do we account for two radically different responses to the same message a message that even came from the lips of Christ himself. So as we go through today's text, we really want to wrestle with those questions and place in context the four questions that we've been looking at as we studied this gospel. And they are, what is the gospel? What is a disciple? Who are we? And what are the essentials of the faith? So if you have your Bibles with you and want to follow along, I invite you to open up to the book of Mark, chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 20, and today's text is a parable. And parables are short stories that Jesus used to teach that on the surface seemed really easy to understand, but when closely examined, they are important truths about the kingdom of God. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Lord Jesus... You alone are the true sower of our seed. Please be gracious to us and till up the soil of our hearts so that the seed of your word may be sown among us this morning and that it springs up deep roots and bears much fruit to the glory of your name. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to truly want to understand. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So again, we're in Mark, uh, verses 1 to 20. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It's a little bit longer text, so uh, bear with me as we get through it. Uh, it's really broken up into three distinct parts, verses 1 through 9, uh, 10 through 12, and then verses 13 through 20. So you'll kind of hear it as we go through the text this morning. Please listen to the Word of God. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. 
And he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. And still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much that has been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears should listen and understand. Now later on, Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around and they asked him what the parable meant and he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan at once come and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning, we see a parable about parables. The idea is fundamental to understanding this portion of Mark's text. In its original context, Jesus is preparing to send out his 12 apostles to serve him. And it was necessary that they understood how the word of God they preach would be received and how people would respond. This particular parable gave the disciples insight into why Jesus wasn't that impressed by the large crowds that followed him. He knew that most of them would never produce fruit from changed lives because the word he was teaching, much like the seed, was falling on poor soil. And the word parable just means to come alongside or to place two things side by side so that they can be compared and examined or evaluated. It's a short story that has an object lesson. It takes something physical, like farming, something that they would understand, and lays it beside something spiritual, God's truth, 
so that a deeper revelation about the kingdom of God will be exposed. Some people have said that parables are earthly stories with heavenly meaning, but they are more than that. Jesus is about to give the disciples an object lesson that will help them see more clearly about how the kingdom of God works. And so we look at the first nine verses, we see a sower or just a farmer indiscriminately casting his seed so that some falls on the path and the birds eat that seed. Some falls on rocky ground. It springs up quickly, but because the soil is too shallow, there's no root and the sun scorches the plants and they wither and die. And then some seed falls amongst the thorns and the weeds choke the life from it. But some seed falls on good soil and it bears a remarkable harvest. But what does this mean? Clearly, we see an open invitation in verse three to listen and a concluding exhortation in verse nine, he who has ears, let him hear, which clues us in that there's more that's going on that meets the eye. Up until this point in Jesus's ministry, the word achuwe, which listen or hear, has appeared only four times. And from here on out in Mark's gospel, it will appear 40 times. Obviously, Jesus expects us to listen and hear if we want to know the secret to the kingdom of God. But there is something more important than the mundane description of a farmer's daily task. There's a hidden layer of the meaning of this parable. And so when the disciples finally get Jesus alone, they ask him in verse 10, cut to the chase, Jesus. What are you talking about? Now, have you ever talked to someone who appeared to be listening to you, but in reality wasn't? Or perhaps you've been guilty of doing this maybe yourself, listening with only half an ear while thinking about something else. One example may be that you have a wife that decides to have a long conversation at 10.24 p.m. when the local sports are about to come on TV and you've been waiting a long time to hear the final score of the football game. There's a possibility that someone in this example would listen with only half an ear. And I'm not saying that that's happened to me, but it could happen, right? So the, the, the fact is that hearing and listening are two different things, aren't they? Hearing and listening are often used interchangeably, but that is not accurate. Hearing is just receiving sound and listening is active. Listening takes work and we have to be engaged when it comes to listening to the word of God. So Jesus begins his explanation in verses 11 and 12, hoping that the disciples would do more than hear, but they would listen and they would understand and take action. And he tells them, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything else I say to the outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. So Jesus is saying there that there are two groups of people that hear the word of God. Those to whom the secret of the kingdom has been given and those who are outside. Both groups hear the same message, but those who have the secret of the kingdom, that message is transformative. To those outside, it is an instrument of judgment. 
They hear it, but they react negatively to it. They don't get it. They don't care to get it. They dismiss it. Jesus' explanation seems harsh and out of character, doesn't it? We know a loving and forgiving Jesus. Was he really trying to deliberately hide the truth by speaking in parables? Were the mysteries of the kingdom of God to be known only by the 12 disciples? Well, theologians and commentators alike have wrestled with this question, but Isaiah says the same thing in chapter six. Isaiah found that people back then were so lost in sin that they resented hearing God's word and deliberately turned away. Jesus was experiencing the same resentment in verse 12. It was a hardness of the heart through pride or arrogance or prejudice that prevented them from listening, understanding, and accepting the teachings of Christ. Two groups of people hearing the same message. Something solemn was happening in the preaching of God's word on the lakeshore. Whether they knew it or not, these listeners were were being divided into two groups, insiders and outsiders, lost and found, sheep and goats. Do you see, friends, the decisions that we make every day have eternal impact. The people on the shore did not realize that the stakes were high. They did not realize that all eternity hinged upon their response. They did not realize that eternal life depended on their acknowledgement of God's word that was the seed that was to produce everlasting life, the seed to bear fruit. They did not understand that Jesus's message was a message and a matter of life or death. So now we turn to verses 13 to 20. We hear more clarification from Jesus in verse 13. Here Jesus explains that this is the master parable This parable is the key to understanding Jesus' preaching ministry. This parable was important because from this point on, parables would be Jesus' primary means of teaching to the crowds and clarifying the truth to believers. If they did not understand this parable, a parable about the heart, how would they understand any of Jesus' other teachings? And then Jesus goes on to identify the four soil types that correspond to the four kinds of hearers of the message about God's kingdom. The soil here represents the spiritual conditions of their hearts. First, we see the hard heart. We see a seed sown along the path that is hard. Jesus says that this is the kind of person that hears the message but doesn't understand it because of a hard heart. There's no penetration of the truth of the gospel into this person's heart. And the problem isn't the seed. There is no, uh, there's no deficiency in the message. The problem occurs in its reception. God's truth just sits there and does nothing. This person is unconcerned with the things of God. He doesn't have time for it. He's not interested. He's got more important things to do. Over and over, just as the seed hits the pathway, it becomes more compact. And in the same way, the heart becomes hard, more compact, and indifferent to the truth. It is never softened by remorse, never broken by conviction, 
never cultivated by even the smallest desire for anything godly or good. In fact, birds come and snatch what has been sown. It's kind of like the scribes and the Pharisees. They've heard it all, they've seen it all, but the message does nothing to move their heart. There's no reception of the truth. Their hearts are hard and unyielding. And then we have the superficial heart. Seed falls on the rocky places. It sprouts quickly, but then it withers because it has no root. Jesus describes this heart as the one who hears the truth of the gospel and receives it with joy initially. You know, this church stuff is great. I really love my Sunday school class. The people here are so friendly. I feel so welcomed in this church. But it's like they miss the fine print. They're unaware that true followers of Jesus must take up their cross daily. They are unaware that Jesus said, if they hate me, they will hate you also. People will hate you because the name of Christ. This person doesn't understand that there's a cost. There is no root in their lives. So when the sun of affliction and persecution arise because of the gospel, they will fall away. And then there's the strangled heart. The third seed sown among the thorn represents this divided or worldly heart. This heart, like the last, hears the word. In fact, much like the rocky ground, the seed sprouts up, but so do the thorns, the thorns of this world. Jesus describes them as the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, they are the things in this life that compete for our attention or our affection. These may be the challenges related to home or work or relationships. These are the things in our lives that demand our time, our resources, our loyalty, and our love. And when we give into these worries and wants and desires, and if we make them number one priority in our lives, then our spiritual life suffers and we become unfruitful. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he also warns us to not store up treasures here on earth where moth can eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your heart is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And it's easy to see, isn't it, that consumerism is a concern with our society. Many people use the term materialism and consumerism interchangeably. But consumerism is much more than materialism. It's a way of perceiving the world that has affected all of us, young and old, rich and poor, believer and non-believer. Essentially, it is a never-ending desire to possess material goods and to achieve personal success. And when we find ourselves in this place, consumerism can invert our values, undermine our character, and change our heart. It takes the focus off of Jesus and places it elsewhere, and that's dangerous. It divides our allegiance. And finally, we have the fourth heart, the one in good soil, the believer in this message, the one who hears, accepts, 
and produces fruit. Jeremiah 29 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Good soil makes Jesus a priority. It means making time for him rather than trying to squeeze him into our overcrowded schedules. It means pursuing a personal relation with him just as we would have any relationship that we want to have here on earth. It's getting to know him. It's getting to speak to him. It's getting to trust him, to make time for him and to treat him with love, kindness and respect. Seeking Jesus is an insatiable longing. The closer we get, the more we want to get even closer. This relationship spills over into the person we are and the way we treat others and the way that we live our lives. Good soil bears good fruit and it's evident that when we display love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Finally, good fruit is, is displayed through our witness, our opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Christ to others, to speak to our friends and loved ones about what Christ has done for us in our lives and invite them to trust and place their faith in him as well. So I guess the question for us this morning is, who are we in the story? How is the condition of your heart. Jesus began this parable by saying, listen. And he ended it by saying, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So what have we heard today? How have we understood, what have we understood this morning? What is God trying to say to us? Have our hearts been choked out by the weeds of worry or the thorns of consumerism? Or is our heart shallow And when it gets tough, when trials come, we just don't last. Maybe our hearts are impenetrable and God's word just seems to bounce off. Or maybe, just maybe our heart is sitting in fertile ground. And God's word has taken root in us and is producing a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times greater than what was planted. Please hear me, friends, this morning that there is no condemnation As I reflect on my own journey, I honestly believe that my heart has been in all four conditions sometime during my life. But one important realization is that God's grace is only a whisper away. All he wants is for us to turn to him, to humbly confess where we have fallen short and wholeheartedly embrace Jesus as king. He's ready. He's willing to forgive us and welcome us back with open arms. You see, the key to an abundant life on earth is a passionate pursuit of Jesus. The key to an abundant life is to understand that we have a heavenly father that loves us unconditionally, even though our hearts get out of whack. He is a God that loves us, continually tugs and nudges us back to him. He is a God that shows us his love and mercy so that we can show the same love and mercy to others. He is a God that wants so desperately to be in relationship with him, but the relationship takes time and effort. A.W. Tozier says it best, no shortcuts exist. 
God has not bowed to our nervous haste nor embraced the methods of our machine age. The man who would know God must give time to him. So friends, I ask you again this morning, how's the condition of your heart? How will you respond to the word of God? Will you take time each and every day to prioritize him, to share your story with others about this amazing God we serve? If you do, if you do, you will experience the hope and peace and love of our everlasting savior. You see, there are just two groups of people, ones who hear and understand the secret of the kingdom revealed and ones that do not. Eternity hinges upon our response. He who has ears, let him hear. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, the truth is that there is work to be done in the garden of our hearts. There are weeds to pull up and some of us have let the seed of the word sit just on the surface and let the distraction of the world snatch the seed away. And some of us have responded joyfully for a while, but we wither under the blazing heat of hard times and have wandered away. But we are here now, Lord. Would you toil up the soil of our hearts so that we might be good soil hearers? Sink the word deeply into our lives because it can bear much fruit for the glory of your name. In Christ's name I pray, amen.